Hello, Bloodhounds, and welcome to the sixth episode of My Bloody Podcast, a podcast that discusses everything horror-related in entertainment. I'm joined today by my biggest fan, Brian Kluger. Thanks for the flowers and fruit basket that you sent to my house this week. I'm sure I'll send you a personalized autograph by the end of the week. You didn't also get the man behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you didn't get sick or nothing. No, I didn't get sick. But you're my number one fan, and you send me stuff. <laughs> I am, I am your number one fan, sir. I am. I like it. Yeah, but you're the man behind Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest. We have a great episode today, and it's not because we say that every episode, but because the news runs especially red and juicy this week. And we also got what I can only assume will be another stellar week for our weekly bloody recommendations. And I already know that our future review will be great because this week, to run with the theatrical release of Solo, we did 2000's What Lies Beneath, starring the original Han Solo himself, Mr. Harrison Ford, and uh, Bruno Mars' uh, favorite leading lady, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Uh, Bruno Mars, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, yes. Or, or, or that Riptide song. I, I'm, I'm very excited that you picked this What Lies Beneath movie, because it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember absolutely loving it, but we'll get to that later. Uh, yes. Yes, indeed, sir. What, you, you always come in, you always stroll in with some news. You're always the man with the news. What's the news today? <laughs> Uh, well, I guess the thing that, uh, strikes me first and is, uh, Mike Flanagan, who's a big, uh, horror director, at least as of now, somebody who's caught my interest, especially after, uh, Fantastic Fest this year. He did a really good Stephen King adaptation, even though I haven't read the book, but from what I understand from talking to him at Fantastic Fest and, or was it South by, I think it was Fantastic Fest. Um, he, uh, did a really good job with the adaptation and I can only trust that he'll do a good job with his next project, which is another Stephen King adaptation. It was announced, uh, earlier this year that he would be doing Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining. And, uh, right now it has a date, not a promising date, it comes out in the graveyard season of January on January 24th, 2020. But then again, I really trust the guy. Um, he's going to be rewriting the script that was pinned by everyone's favorite screenwriter. Uh, what's his name? Akiva uh, Goldsman. Akiva Goldsman. Yep. <laughs> that guy. That guy. So you haven't read Dr. Sleep? No, no, I have not. Did you ever read The Shining? I've read pieces of The Shining. Okay, so I've read... I've not finished it. Yeah, I've read Dr. Sleep and The Shining. Dr. Sleep is pretty good. Uh, It takes place... Basically, Danny Torrance, the young kid in The Shining, is now a middle-aged dude Mm -hmm. who's kind of still uh, spooked by all the events that happened at the Overlook Hotel. Um, Mm -hmm. And he has, like severe anger issues like his dad and alcoholism uh like his dad Mm -hmm. but uh 
he like kind of develops a like the shining psychic type of thing with a young girl and there's like all sorts of crazy paranormal witches and stuff like that uh in this that have like the shining and try to do evil uh i actually really like the book um it's pretty cool and you know it's hard to kind of like the shining that's stanley kubrick and so hope i mean mike flanagan i did like gerald's game quite a bit so i hope hope for the best yeah yeah i'm uh did you ever see his other movies on was the other movie they did on netflix hush or uh didn't he do the ouija sequel or origin of evil i'm pretty sure I think so. I loved Origin of Evil for sure. I thought that was excellent. Um, I think he did Oculus as well, which I wasn't a huge fan. And I haven't seen Hush yet, if I can remember that correctly. Yeah, Hush is pretty good. Um, Yeah, that that, that one's good. It seems like he's uh, grown very as a filmmaker, especially after Gerald's Game. I think he he can balance his film pretty well with uh, like character driven drama, especially Gerald's game. That, that is just one woman at the center of the carrying the entire film and then kind of tapping into the horrors of her past and how she's confronting that and dealing with that uh, while being strapped to a bed. So um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't, I only know the, the plot summary from dr sleep and what you just described and uh knowing how uh or at least from what i've read like i said with gerald's game and how he added to the material the text because from what i understand the text of gerald's game was pretty pretty thin and he expanded upon that in interesting ways and so i expect nothing less with this one yeah, it seems like Mike Flanagan is, like, kind of a new, or not necessarily a new, but, like, one of the leading names in horror these days. And uh, anything with The Shining is really cool. Like, I, I will say this, uh, Ready Player One, I think the best moment in that movie was, like, the 10-minute sequence <laughs> at the Overlook Hotel on The Shining. Uh, oh, I agree with that. And it, I hope it's as good or at least pays a little uh wink nod homage to a little kubrick-esque filmmaking or something like that uh just because the shining you know was such a slow burn horror movie but it was so effective and so detailed and crafted i just hope this movie dr sleep will be you know somewhat the same and it's you know you know when you read dr sleep and you read about Danny and you're just like, oh, no, he went through so much of this. And then now he's kind of turned into his dad. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, mm-hmm. that's tragic and sad. Uh, but, yeah, I think um, I, 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 and it's interesting that they're calling it Dr. Sleep. I'm interested because it doesn't come out for a year and a half, like 2020. Uh, so yeah. it's called Dr. Sleep. But do you think they would actually change it to The Shining which would be a terrible title, but yeah, uh, Sicario Two: Day of the Sodaldo or Sodaldo yeah. or whatever yeah. it's called, something. Yeah, uh, I <laughs> Shining Two: I, I The Shining. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
No, I think I think they'll probably stick with the title. Um, maybe it, it'll probably be like heavily used in the advertisements and the marketing for it to be a, the, the sequel to The Shining. Yeah, just because so. you know that would have like a huge built-in audience that maybe wouldn't know what like what the hell's Doctor Sleep sounds like a medical drama about somebody who sleeps. Yeah, or like a the science of sleep, like that indie film. Yes, something like that. No. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't know. They could change it, but uh, uh, I, I like I like when titles are a little more kind of simplistic and kind of go along with the name of the book. I think uh, something like The Edge of Tomorrow realized that mistake, and they changed the title when it came out on disc back to, or I guess it was All You Need Is Kill, but they called it Live, Die, Repeat. And oh, yeah, there was yeah, yeah, All You Need Is Kill, and there was Live, Die, Repeat, and then there was Edge of Tomorrow. Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, my God. So it's like Edge of Tomorrow, colon, Live, Die, Repeat, and then the next one's supposed to be called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat, or something like that. <laughs> we'll never know, really, the true title of that movie. Oh. Dumb Dumber. Oh yes, even a better title. Yeah. Uh, so we're excited about this, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So January twenty fourth, twenty twenty. Doctor Sleep. Oh my God, twenty twenty. <laughs> it seems so far away. If we're, if we're still alive. Yes, if we're still alive. This is way too long. To, you know, we never. We don't know what's going to happen until then. Uh, zombie apocalypse might happen. What's the other news? What other news do we got here? Um, well, I guess this is kind of small, but this was a big movie for me when I was younger. But Sci-Fi Channel is going to be celebrating Memorial Day with a Killer Croc marathon in the new film Lake Placid Legacy. So, uh, are, are you a fan of Lake Placid? I am a, I am a fan of the original Lake Placid. I remember when that first came out and I, I, it was just a fun movie, even though like it has so many flaws, it's actually a really fun movie and it's flaws might be enjoy quite a bit and yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's flaws um, might be might might be its like strengths too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it is a fun movie. That that Dern Lake Plaza. That's a. Go ahead. Yeah, that's a, that's as far as I've gotten with the entire series at this point. I, it, it's kind of like where, when you just look it up on IMDb and you discover, oh man, there's like several sequels to this and they even have a lake placid versus anaconda that has like robert england in it i don't know if you <laughs> saw that one i did not see that one but, but i'm intrigued yeah that's it, it's that one actually sounds fun um but yeah lake placid two three uh the final chapter which it's not the final chapter because now uh, the the big one that they're going to be uh, playing on that that on Memorial Day is Lake Placid Legacy, and I watched the trailer for that, and it just looks like that typical Sci-Fi Channel type of movie where it looks horrible, 
and it has a bunch of young actors in it who are trying to make a, something out of themselves, and it's probably not going to happen. And so, yeah, there's that, but uh, I believe the original, or maybe the original is not in that lineup. So maybe just uh, avoid that altogether. <laughs> Why are we even talking about it? As we were talking about it, we realized this was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's got Robocroc in there, though. And if you want to know what Robocroc is, it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it's like yeah. Robocop. Oh, I hope Peter Weller doesn't listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Um, okay, so if you're into the All Killer right. Croc, so bad it's good. Marathon sci-fi is your answer this holiday weekend. Um Yes. So yes, yes. Um, so there's that. Uh, and before we get to the topic that I know that you want to talk about, there the first teaser trailer for Nicholas Wine and Refn's uh, too, too Old to Die Young, his uh, ten episode TV series that's going to be on Amazon. Yes, Amazon Prime. Uh, and it's, I, I, I wanted yeah, to yeah. ask you. I saw I saw this, and I immediately thought of you, and I thought about. You know, texting it to you, and I was like, "Is this horror?" And I guess a little bit so because I think it's like the underbelly crime horror aspect of yeah, yeah. And you know, it's Nicholas Wine Refn who does. I mean, I didn't like Only God Forgives, but I liked everything else he's pretty much done. So yeah. I'm very. I mean, The Neon Demon is like pretty much a perfect film. Uh, so <laughs> I love that movie. And that is some straight up horror type of type type shit. So I'm excited yeah. for this one. Do you think it's going to be just as good? Um, I I hope so. I mean, it's going to be really fascinating to dive even deeper into like one singular story spread across ten episodes of a series, and to see if this is somewhat of a more traditional type narrative like drive or if it's going to be a little more obscure and out there like only God forgives or the neon demon, because from the trailer alone, we don't get a sense of what's really going on. Um, as far as I know, it's about the criminal underbelly of Los Angeles, which kind of sounds familiar with his territory, especially as of late. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how character-driven it's going to be, but uh, I like the imagery, and so I always expect him to bring his A-game a there, and a lot of the visuals kind of seem very Neon Demon-like, and then it even has this kind of Cliff Martinez-sounding score to it. But the, the, the trailer uh, is can almost... It's almost like a seizure, like it could uh, cause a seizure because it's just a bunch of images. Like, even... Some of them are photo stills. I think I even saw a photo of him in there toward the end. And uh, if you've seen any of his movies, uh, especially Neon Demon and Only God Forgives, he uh, Refn is his own brand now where he has NWR like uh, at the beginning and I believe at the end of Neon Demon it had like NWR on it. So... Um, uh, he's really uh, up his own ass, 
Um, <laughs> this is I, this is coming from somebody who loves his movies. <laughs> I, I yes, I adore the guy. I love talking to him, and uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm there. I still ha- I have my Amazon. I'm ready. Is uh, is Ryan Gosling in this TV series? No, so it's got Miles Teller, Jenna Malone. Jenna Malone was in Neon Demon, and then it's got Billy Baldwin. <laughs> the lesser known Baldwin. Yeah, but still a good Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> not and Steven, it's got... not Adam, and not Alec. Ah, <laughs> uh, Billy. Yeah. Billy, Billy, Billy. Yep. Uh, and then it's got John Hawks in it, and that guy's always good. He may play the same kind of character every time, but I enjoy the kind of gravitas that he brings to the the projects that he's a part of. So uh, it seems promising. Um, so yeah, for there, there for sure. Set to arrive sometime in 2019, I think early 2019. Cool. No, I'm in Nicholas Wine Reffin. I'm always down to see his movies. You know what? I'll never forget. Never, ever forget. Okay, so I know you've talked to him, and I've talked to him before, too, and I think you had a better interview with him. But when I talked to him, it was like pulling teeth. It was a horrible, horrible discussion in a karaoke room him and I had, um, which you could all see on YouTube uh, if you type in the right things. Uh, Yes. However, another great moment with him. So uh, Preston and I as well as our good friend James uh, Cole Clay. We all attend a film festival every year in Austin, Texas, called Fantastic Fest. And I'm not sure if Preston attended this, but I was for sure there. It was an uh, X-rated porno movie called X-rated Supermarket. Did you happen to see this at Fantastic Fest? No, I saw, I've only saw, no, I skipped Bat Pussy. See, that I went to you. Bat Pussy, that was and me. <laughs> the, yeah, the only, the only porn-related thing I've ever seen in a movie theater ever was at, yeah, Fantastic Fest. It was uh, the Ultra Sex. I can't remember the full title, but it had Ultra Sex in there. It was hilarious. Okay. So... I watched X-Rated Supermarket, which was a legitimate, like, 1970s X-Rated porn. So it wasn't triple X. It was just rated X, meaning they didn't show actual penetration. And the penises they showed um, were all flaccid. They they were not hard, um, which is very unfortunate for some viewers because, I mean, you just want to see that. So (laughs) so it's like an episode of Game of Thrones. Yes, yes. Well, well. Without any story, it was basically just people walking to the supermarket and they just like walk by each other and like, hey, let's have sex. And then it was just that for a while. But the <laughs> Nick- sounds like, uh, <laughs> what was it? Did you ever see the movie Dirty Work? Oh, I love With, Dirty uh, Work. So, oh, yes. But, but, but when they're when they're working at the movie th- movie yes. theater and and the thing that they they put on uh, Men in Black their own version of yeah. Men in Black and he's like hey look there's an alien over there we should go have sex <laughs> with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to do it. I, unfortunately, this is a horror podcast because I could do at least two episodes on the movie Dirty Work because I love that movie so much. <laughs> um, uh, so as you were saying, I, as I was saying. Uh, 
with with this X-ray supermarket. It's just like that. It's there's no plot, and it's it's badly filmed. But the person who introed it, and the person who did a Q and A, who knew nothing about the movie, was Nicholas Winding Refn. Nicholas Winding Refn was the guy that actually did the Q and A. He did the he did the uh, all that other stuff with it. Like he, he he's like when he came out in the intro, he's like, yeah, this is uh, have fun with it. We don't know anything about the movie because there's nothing on IMDb. There's nothing. So we're just going to try to answer questions afterwards. So you know Nicholas Ryan Reffin is just a huge fan of, of all sorts of weird cinema, which is like me and Preston now. So uh, next next year or this, this coming year, this coming Fantastic Fest, Preston, you and James Cole Clay are going to have to come to a porn film with me. <laughs> <laughs> if they do one, you'll like yeah. it. I promise. Um, but no, that is the Nicholas Wayne Ruffin porn story <laughs> for you guys, which I hopefully you enjoy. Look, yeah, look up X-ray supermarket. You might find it online. Have a, have a good, like 50 minutes with it. Um, so, so, so there's that. Uh, and I have to, I have yep. to bring up this little thing uh, to you, Preston, because when I read the headline, I said to myself, "What WTF?" Um, <clears throat> Idris Elba is going to direct and star in Hunchback of Notre Dame adaptation for Netflix. So Stringer Bell from The Wire, I guess. I, who knew that Idris Elba was a huge fan? Of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Most of us would know Hunchback of Notre Dame from the Disney movie, the animated Disney film. Mm-hmm. But Idris Elba. And I watched I watched that not too long ago, actually. Did you, did you would it still hold up? Uh for nostalgic reasons, or I guess just because I was I was a kid when it came out and um I remember like Burger King or something like sold uh, or not sold, but it came with a Happy Meal. You can get little toys, and I had the little jester. Nice. And so, uh, yeah, I enjoy it for that reason. It's a lot more musically. It's, it's a, I guess it, I, I wasn't anticipating it to be so much of a musical, even though that's what all of Disney films kind of were, uh, or at least the older ones, or I guess the new ones too. But um, it's a lot darker than I remember, uh, especially the opening Um because they, they, instead of kind of doing what Disney does now with kind of showing uh, darker material through something that's a little lighter, like uh, they use a different form of animation. And they kind of hint at that in the beginning of the movie with uh, like the gesture kind of describing what's going on. But you get to see like uh, the, the town's... Um, I don't know. I'm not very good at kind of describing this plot, but uh, the the religious dude that kind of takes him in, um, he like kills the mom, and yeah. the way that it just the way that it just all unfolds a lot darker than I uh, remembered as a kid. It just kind of all went over my head, and because you all you always remember the songs and happy moments. Not with Hunchback of Notre Dame. So th- I guess this is going to be a modern telling of it and Idris Elba is in fact directing and producing and starring in the movie not only that he will be producing the film's music 
Um, also, Fred Berger will be producing the film uh, who did La La Land. So, hmm. is this going to be a live-action Netflix movie of Hunchback and Ordain with music? I mean, like, musical? And Idris Elba doing everything with it? I... You know, I love Idris Elba so much. I had no, I would never have guessed this. Never. Ever. Yeah. Mm-mm. But I'm very curious. I'm very curious about this. So I had to run that by you to see what you thought, sir. Um, I'm right there with you. Okay. I, yeah, I, 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 I didn't think that he would do something like that. I kind of expected him to do it just kind of fall in line with doing like like bio dramas or something uh not yeah this is the last thing i would expect him to do but uh it caught my ear all right all right very cool um uh any other news before we get to uh some some uh depra- depravity <laughs> no not just just Dive right into that. I'm diving right into the twisted. Um, so, if any of you know me, have listened to a podcast, been to my website, or just generally talked to me for you know 45 seconds, I, you, the human centipede would probably come out of my mouth, or I would talk about it. You'd see it. You'd hear it. Uh, director Tom Six, uh, who did the Human Centipede trilogy has been talking a long time about his next film called uh, The o- the Club? The Onania Club? I don't even know how to pronounce that. The Onaya Club? Onanian? Onania Club? The, o- the Onania Club. Yeah, so Tom Six hasn't made a movie in a long time. It's been, I think, several, several years. And he just kind of released a poster for this. He's hoping to get backers... Um, he says that the Onanya Club is one of the most vile movie experience of all time. Uh, it's inhumane. Uh, yeah, I. He says this. So if a director says this. Specifically, if this director says this, I will take his word for it because uh, um, I know what he's done. And I love the guy. I, I love Tom Six. I've talked to him before, and I'm a huge fan. And I can't, I, I can't, I can't wait for this. Supposedly, this um, is uh, the Onaya Club. I guess is kind of like about certain types of masturbation or like getting your rocks off, so to speak. And just by the 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 poster, you're like, is that a dead person on the bed there, or is that a like, there's all sorts of things where this can go, and I'm thinking, like, some really weird stuff, like that uh, that Guts short story from that Chuck Palahniuk book, Haunted, um, mm. type of stuff, or even worse than that. So, I'm very, it, oh, oh, my God. Um, the filmmaker, uh, Tom Six, is he's not diving into what plot is, uh, but it's a thriller uh, with a lot of strong female characters. Um, I'm, I'm, do you want to see this? Do you have any interest in this? No, I don't. Well, will you, will you see it with me? No, I feel like uh, you need to be 
the parent that sees their rated R movie to see if it's good enough for the child, me being the child. <laughs> so, um, but, but, but seeing how you love the Human Centipede trilogy, and I have not seen a single lick of it. Um, oh, Preston, you will love the first one specifically. I doubt you'll like the second one, and you'll probably just laugh all the way through the third one because it's over-the-top silly, like kind of Mel Brooks style. Um, but the first one's actually really good. Okay, well, maybe I need to start there before, before that, but yeah. Oh, my God. I, I'm very... so. They're hoping to release it this year. Um, it is currently seeking distribution. So I'm very, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't see this movie soon enough. Hopefully I still have Tom Six's information and perhaps he is, will be kind enough just to send me a screener of it so I can just privately watch it. Um, very excited about this. Very excited about this, sir. Um, Yes, Onaya Club. Before we go to our bloody recommendations, can we mention the sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects that we've seen images from the new third movie, Three from Hell, which it looks like uh, Sid Haig, the guy who plays Captain Spaulding, the evil clown in the, those movies, looks like he's in jail this time. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about this because I love House of Thousand Corpses. I loved even more Devil's Rejects. And what we saw at the end of Devil's Rejects, probably the greatest use of Freebird. But it just <laughs> kind of ended with like just gunshots ablazing. You don't know what happened. But it looks like everybody survived, really. So I'm really... I, oh, God. Do you, do you love Devil's Rejects as much as I do? Uh, you probably love love it a little bit more, but I do love it. Yeah, I love I love that movie. I still I still quote that movie constantly. <laughs> uh, so yes, Rob Zombie finally. You know what? I thought Rob Zombie was making that. Uh, oh, he was making like a not a documentary, but like a movie based off of Marx's life. I thought, but I guess not. He's doing this third film, Three from Hell a sequel to Devil's Rejects. And hopefully by the end of this year, we will be seeing that in theaters. Because even though I love his last film, The 31, not loved, I say I liked 31, it, you know, it just, it, it wasn't as good as his previous films. It was just kind of just all shock and gore. Yeah. But hopefully this one is just as good as Devil's Rejects. I'm excited. Um... All right, does that, does that end it for news? Are we doing my bloody recommendations? Yes, we are. All right, who's going, who's going first on this recommendation? Rock, paper, scissors. Scissors. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was dumb. That was amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go. Okay, okay. I'm excited. All right. So since uh, our uh, feature review this week is our most, uh, probably the most contemporary release that we've done, or at least the, the, a newer release, um, we don't always just do 70s and 80s horror. Um, so this week I'm going to take it a little further and do 2017, so last year, 
and also played at Fantastic Fest called My Friend Dahmer. Ooh. Have you seen it? I have. Did you def- see it there? I, I definitely did see it. And I believe I saw it there for the first time. Yep. So, uh, yeah, kind of going off of what we said last week with, you know, the house that uh, Jack built and uh, Henry uh, portrait of a serial killer and things like that. Uh, here is another portrait of a serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer, a young Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, when he when he's in high school. And so it's not necessarily a bloody recommendation. There are, like, this is back when he was, like, uh, dissecting animals and things like that and uh, building up his thirst and hunger for what he ultimately does and what he's known for with eating people and keeping uh, them hostage and keeping body parts in the freezer and that sort of thing. Um, So... This is uh, this is just kind of getting into the mind of him and uh, and how he became who he is and or was at this point. Uh, so Ross Lynch plays uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and he is uh, from uh, Disney fame. Um, it's always interesting when all these uh, kind of Disney actors do something that's just so completely the polar opposite of what they're known for as a way to kind of get so they can be taken more seriously. And I think he gives a really good performance as uh, Dahmer, who's just kind of this introverted teen that's uh, trying to figure out who he is. He's interested in biology, and but he's very quiet. And uh, the, a friend or a peer at his school... He's played by Alex Wolf. That's going to be in Hereditary later this year. And um, takes notice of him and just kind of notices that he's a little goofy. And he does like this weird shake or something, like just does stuff to kind of get the attention of people. And so he, his friend uh, kind of uses that as a way to like entertain the crowd that he's surrounded by. And, uh, but he kind of learns a little more about him and notices how, uh, how much of a scary individual he is. Um, so yeah, really good, uh, dive into, uh, who Jeffrey Dahmer was and, uh, kind of a neat little, it's actually kind of a, it's weird to call it like a sweet movie, but, um, I, I really enjoyed it. Did you like it? I did like it. Um, I thought it was just kind of, cause usually when we do or see serial killers movies or serial killer documentaries, we never kind of see this side of it. Mm-hmm. And even though like, yeah, the dude was disturbed and crazy and insane and he needed to go. Uh, yeah. he, you kind of, you kind of sympathize with him a little bit. It's weird. Like I, I shouldn't feel that way, but I, I guess just cause he hasn't done what he's done or he, he doesn't do what he's known for yet. And so you just kind of see him before it happens. It's kind of like that whole thing of, uh, uh, 
from like Deadpool two, like trying to find uh, the person before they ultimately become the bad person that they're known for later on in life, and you kind of see him, and you're you're just like, dude, just like, come on, man. Yeah, like, don't, I don't just want to. Yeah, <laughs> just give me a hug. It's okay. That sort of thing. And and I liked. Um... Pete Campbell from Mad Men, Vincent Carthizer, is in the movie as well, which is always cool. I always like seeing him and stuff. I like him. Yeah, he's the the jogger alongside the highway that he uh, takes notice of and uh, fantasizes about uh, killing him and eating him, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a you know if they did like this type of thing, you know, with you know Bundy or Gein or uh, you know, oh, wow, what's the clown? Uh, oh, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see kind of, because I think this is a really cool movie. Uh, yeah, let's start our own series right now about yeah. uh, Before They Killed. Yes, Before the Kill, Before the First Kill. But yeah, it, it's, it's still, it's like, it's haunting too. You know, they just did, they just did a good job with that. And yes, uh, I think you'll like it. And uh, and then after you're done with the movie, you, you say to yourself, well, then he did all that other shit, you know? And you're just like, well, yeah. <laughs> it's like he went down a path, and it was the crazy path. Uh, my goodness. My goodness. My friend Dahmer. That's a good That's yeah, a good, like a, good recommendation. It's like a disturbing Days to Confused because <laughs> he kind of looks like he's from – Plucked out of days, confused with his uh, glasses and Hair his style. haircut, and, and the the music that plays throughout the film. Yes. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> That's good yep. stuff. That is good stuff. I like it. All right. Do you want to hear my uh, bloody recommendation this week? Do I ever? All right. Well, folks, do I have a treat for you? Um, I know most of us enjoy a good slasher flick. I know Preston does, right? Oh, hell yes. And specifically, if it's from the late 70s to the mid-80s time frame. Uh, Mm -hmm. There were a ton of really good ones, including Friday the 13th and Sleepaway Camp. Uh, But there's just something to these films that made us laugh. They provided even some genuine scares and a good amount of gore. Uh, but there is one movie, one slasher, forgotten slasher, uh, that nobody ever talks about that was released in early 1980. And that movie is called To All a Good Night. <laughs> Have you seen this or heard of it? I've heard of it. Okay, so To All a Good Night. It is on Blu-ray. And uh, so basically... This guy named David Hess, who has had a music career and an acting career, thought he would try his hand at directing. Turns out this movie, To All a Good Night, is the only thing he ever directed. Thank God. Um, David Hess actually (laughs) (laughs) was... He starred in Wes Craven's The Last House on the Left film, which I'm, I'm thinking that... Since he, like, made this crazy movie, violent movie, he's like, I've got this. I'm going to uh, make a movie by myself. And he's like, okay, I'm going to use all this violent horror. But he missed the mark by several thousand miles in every direction. 
with to all a good night. It, and you completely recommend it. Yeah, yes, I do, because it's so terrible. It's good. You have to see it. Some people like terrible movies, and this is one of them. Um, yeah. It's a miracle this film exists, really, um, because Hess just... I don't, I don't get it. He, this is the only movie he ever made. To All a Good Night actually makes any Ed Wood movie look like Citizen Kane. That's what we're talking about here, folks. Um, oh, good Lord. Oh, good Lord. And you know what? I am very surprised and shocked that Mystery Science Theater 3000 or Rift Tracks have not done an episode on this movie. It's insane. It, but maybe it's just too terrible. But it's also too terrible that it's just too good, too. Um, the only recognizable person in this movie is an actress named Jennifer Runyon. And you'll be thinking to yourselves, who the hell is Jennifer Runyon? Jennifer Runyon is most known for sitting across the table from Bill Murray in Ghostbusters yeah. as he sends electric shocks to the poor male student next to her. <laughs> that is. She's also in Carnosaur. You ever yes. seen that? Yes, I have seen Carnosaur. <laughs> oh, this is why Preston and I are in love, because we know who Jennifer Runyon is. <laughs> <laughs> and we can cite off her resume. Carnosaur. Okay, so, um, <laughs> to all a good night. Um, nothing makes sense at all. Um uh, there's a general idea in the movie of a slasher going around killing people, but that's as far as they really got with anything, um, with characters or story. Uh, so it, it actually looks like, you know, a couple kids were filming in their grandparents' basement with a home video camera. Uh, so it takes place at a, like a, a college and, um, Students are hazing a new girl like, that's there. Um, and then she accidentally dies by falling off a two-story balcony. It just happens. You cut to two years later at Christmas time where most people are going home, but some of the girls are staying back at their, like, sorority house uh, on vacation. And these girls want to have all their boyfriends over and for sex and debauchery. And, of course, someone is dressed in a Santa Claus suit and mask and begins killing them one by run. One by one. One by Runyon. Uh, there really is no rhyme or reason to any of it. Uh, you know, the, the, the girls and the guys, they start talking. They have sex. Someone is killed with a sharp weapon. And you rinse and repeat that for the better part of an hour. So, um, what's so great about it is that the editing is so terrible in this movie. Like, there's just, like some of the audio doesn't sync up in time uh, with anything. There are miscues and spots. The gore is so funny. Like, I had to rewind it on my Blu-ray player several times just to make sure it actually was this. There is a scene in the movie where somebody gets chopped up by, like, a helicopter blade. And instead of using, like, uh, like liquid blood, they took, like, red construction paper <laughs> and it like it, you see this red construction paper fly like paper flies in the background and it is fantastic this is what we're dealing with here um yes this is a movie for those strict fans of so terrible they're good movies um 
it's on Blu-ray. Please get it because I own it and I'm never selling it or giving it up. It comes with new interviews with Jennifer Runyon and another actress from the movie who during her 10 minute interview on the extra talks about how much of a horrible time she had on the set of the movie and how much she hated it. So funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and like, uh, just like, yeah, just look at pictures from the movie. It's just, it's fantastic. Just to all a good night, please watch it. It's, it's worth your time. (laughs) So basically this is what full moon high is to, Teen Wolf, but Silent Night, Deadly Night. Correct, because Silent Night, Deadly Night actually is pretty frightening. Uh, yeah. But to all a good night, ooh, when you watch it, it's just like, holy shit, they made this and this got made and, oh, good God. Yeah, to all a good night, please watch it because I love this movie dearly and it's just one of those, like, you're like, wow, this is so bad. Then you watch something, like, really good. And it's like, yes, I see the difference here. But we have to appreciate To All a Good Night. And that, it actually has a Blu-ray release. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, The Wonder Years doesn't have a Blu-ray release. But To All a Good Night does. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But I digress. But those are our bloody recommendations. Oh, my God. I, I'm very happy with both of these movies. <laughs> one is kind of a more serious movie, and the other one's really not. Yeah, we're all, we always, well, we have a knack for picking the opposites on things. I like it, though. I like that about us. Yeah. yeah. All right. Main event time? Main event. So... This movie, What Lies Beneath, um, was it came out in 2000, July 2000. So this is pre 9/11, and it was directed by Robert Zemeckis. You know, the guy who gave us Back to the Future and uh, Forrest Gump, uh, and it made a ton of money in the theaters. Like I'm talking a few hundred million dollars in the theater. This supernatural horror movie, Preston, you love this movie. I do. Uh, it was strange because I, like you were mentioning earlier, I have I haven't seen it in a long time, and I watched it again last night, and I had to go through, jump through some hoops to find it. Um, I mean, you can go. I don't own it on DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, if it's on Blu-ray, I don't know if it is. But I uh, did. Uh, Amazon Prime had it, but she had to go through. Well, you could pay three ninety nine for it to rent it, but I did because uh, i'm all about trying to cut corners so i found it through stars uh video on demand and you can do a free trial uh for seven days and i uh, signed up for it for seven days and uh watched it that way fantastic yeah but uh as i was watching it especially going through the beginning i was very surprised like how everything was just clicking i think i watched it a lot when i was younger um, I, I, I remember vividly watching it in theaters and my mom taking me to go see it. And I remember the trailer spoiling the hell out of it and revealing, uh, like who the ghost was. And, uh, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I think it holds up pretty well. It could be a little tighter, but it's still pretty effective. And it's written by Clark, uh, Clark Gregg. Yeah, Agent Coulson from Coulson. Marvel. That's the yep. weirdest thing in the world now. You're just like, what? Agent Coulson wrote a horror screenplay with Harrison Ford and Michelle Fire? What? 
And it's good, yeah. though. It's good. And, you know, it's, it's a supernatural ghost story, and it's told very well. It's a little over two hours, but I'm telling you, the, like, the, the final act of the movie is really terrifying. I remember seeing it in the theater. I was like, wow, that was scary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it was shot while uh, production for Castaway was on hiatus. So Tom Hanks could shed some of the weight he needed for the role, but they had all uh, good old Bob Zemeckis still had the the great camera gear and crew, so he thought might as well shoot another movie. So he shot this movie, <laughs> which is which is crazy. But uh, what's great about it is it pays a lot of it pays homage to alfred hitchcock i think it's pretty noticeable all throughout with oh yes oh yes certain certain camera angles uh, visual cues and that constant sense of dread but you even have the blonde protagonist played by michelle pfeiffer and then you have the character uh that uh, harrison ford plays and his name is norman so that's a telltale sign Yes, um, so he lays it on pretty thick with the whole uh, Hitchcock thing, and, and I love it all, all for it. Um, uh, it's actually it's pretty funny too. Uh, at, at times, uh, there's like an early sequence um, where in the the movie is about um, a, a wife who played by Michelle Pfeiffer of this university uh, research scientist that uh Harrison Ford plays and she believes that her her uh home in Vermont uh is haunted by a ghost or maybe she's losing her mind we don't know it's really interesting but um she notices like one day that her her neighbor is uh freaking out and thinks that it might be uh abuse from her husband and but the next next night, like they they overhear when they're having like a little quiet moment together after uh, they take their their first or I guess her child to uh, college. Like the, the, it's kind of like a, a boyhood type of moment where you're letting go of your child. So it's, it's just like real small, real sweet moment of them just kind of like, oh, what am I going to do now with my life? Like that that kind of like separation from your child and. Uh, I mean, I have a, as I've said before, I have a nine month year old, but I, I think a lot about the future and like how I'm going to handle certain things when I reach that point. And so I think it kind of operates on a very human level by doing that and kind of laying down that kind of realistic drama before you get to the supernatural stuff. So it makes that stuff feel a little more grounded in reality. And so, yeah, the, the funny moment is when they overhear their neighbors having makeup sex, and then they're like, oh, well, do you want to fool around and uh, give them some kind of stiff competition and see who can be louder? Um, so there was that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, there was that. I, I, there, are, there are funny moments in it. I agree. Yeah, Good. and I and, and I enjoy uh, Harrison Ford in the role because uh, he smiles a lot, which is not like him at all. Um, so I enjoyed him in the part, and 
and, and where his character goes. And Michelle Pfeiffer does, just does a hell of a job carrying the entire movie because she's at the forefront the entire time. And uh, uh, like like her character, like us, because we're inside her head. We really don't know. I mean, if she's uh, seen things or if it's all in her head. Um, but uh, she does a really good job of kind of selling that uh, where it can go either way. And uh, the way that Zemeckis kind of shoots it kind of puts us in, in that zone and that her perspective. And uh, so when things uh, where she where she says, oh, I saw something to her husband. Her husband's like, nah, you're crazy or something like that. Uh, you're like, motherfucker, like, she saw something. You need to trust your wife. And uh, <laughs> so you, you get frustrated with her. And um, but I think the thing that really impressed me the most outside of the, the performances was just a lot, a lot of the framing that uh uh, Zemeckis uses there's like one shot or a couple of shots especially toward the end of the film where like stuff falls on the floor or even her and the camera goes down underneath the, the floor and how they did that uh, was it's a glass floor so the camera goes underneath the floor so think of like a like Quentin Tarantino does stuff where you know he kind of shoots above and you're like man they had to have removed the roof for them to accomplish that. And so there's like really clever ideas about kind of putting us inside, uh, that, that sort of suspense, uh, that's going on. And, um, and, and how they did it, especially when they go to like wide shots. So yeah, they had the glass floor. They later added in the floor digitally to make it look like an actual floor. So when they have the white shots, it actually looks like they're walking on actual floorboards, but it's actually glass. So that's very cool. Um, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I like I, li- I like this movie. I think it's uh, it's one that you should see because it's one of those like very few movies that you're like, eh, and then you watch and you're like, that was surprisingly good. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. And it, it's you know it's hell it's. I mean, when you have Harrison Ford, Michelle Pfeiffer, Robert Zemeckis, and Clark Gregg out of nowhere, that's a pretty damn good, uh, you know, cast of talent. Then you have Alan Silvestri doing the music, um, and uh, Don Burgess doing the uh, director of photography, who did just tons of stuff. Um, So it's... You know, it, it's pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, see, I was I was about ten or eleven when this movie came out, and um, when I was a kid, and I was still taking baths up to that point. Um, I still like to take a bath occasionally. TMI. Um, Not TMI. Explain. <laughs> Baths are enjoyable. They're <laughs> relaxing. I need it. Good. Um, but when I was a kid, I would, uh, you know, let the bath water run and uh, try to unplug the drain with my foot the same way that Michelle Pfeiffer's character has to because, on, on you know, in the poster as the bathtub, the bathtub's a big part. Yeah, and that scene when she tries to lift it with her foot, you're just, that is such a tense moment 
Yeah. And it's kind of a long sequence, but it doesn't wear out its welcome. Correct. It's good. It's good. I like it. Um, that's it. Yeah, I like it. Is it. Does that wrap up our sixth episode, though? Uh, I guess so, yeah. Is there anything else about What Lies Beneath that... We would we just we just want people to watch this, and because it's Harrison Ford and Solo, the Star Wars story is coming out. So, pay your respects to Harrison Ford by watching What Lies Beneath. Yeah, <laughs> not if, Star Wars. What yeah. lies beneath? Yes, it is. Yes, there is Star Wars, and there is What Lies Beneath. They can be. It's the same movie, really. Yeah. Um, and Michelle Pfeiffer deserves your eyes some more. I feel like we need to have an, like a Michelle Pfeiffer sance where she like she did Mother, yeah, and uh, so she needs to like come back in a big way and do stuff. Not not do Murder on the Orient Express. Do some like crazy ass shit. Yeah, no, I like Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm definitely down with that. I'm in, even if it's that. Uh, was it? Is it, is it called Dangerous Minds Part 1? Let's do Part 2. You know, Coolio's song. I like it. I like her. And I like <laughs> What Lies Beneath. Um, but yeah, it's my bloody podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio. Um, Preston, you know, you're everywhere these days. Where can everywhere and everyone find you? I'm mostly at my house. But I won't tell you my address because I already have one stalker, Brian Kluger, and I don't need another one. He secretly loves it, everybody. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me on freshfiction.tv. I'm the features editor there, and we're posting all sorts of cool stuff with Solo coming out. We got a pretty some nice features on that. And you can also find my writing at uh, Ditton Record Chronicle. That's DittonRC.com. I just did a review of Solo, and uh, I released my written portion of my interview with Peter Weller that uh, I talked about last week. Uh, So you can find that on there for the movie of Unknown Origin that I recommended on my bloody recommendation last week. So lots of cool stuff. Nice. And, you know, you're talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. So I did a a few uh, feature articles uh, for High Def Digest um, where I, before I actually saw Solo, I did what to expect, what can, you know, theories about the movie. And then uh, going up uh, tomorrow, I ranked every Star Wars movie. And I'm pretty sure people are going to be pissed at my ranking. Mm. Well, so, I'm curious where The Last Jedi falls in that. Oh, oh. So my the, the head editor of the big High Def Digest um, wrote me back. <laughs> and, He's like, we can't run this. And he goes, okay, this is going live at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Shit show of anti-TLJ fans in three, two, <laughs> and that was it. That was all it said. 
Oh, so it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Um, I usually don't get on comments or anything like that, but I definitely will for this because I can't wait to see the the uh, brandishing I will be getting. Um, but yes, I'm still in. But yes, we both have solo Star Wars articles and features and reviews up on our respective uh, and respected uh, outlets. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love fresh fiction and fresh fiction TV. Um, Cause I know you got that. And James Clay Cole and Gwen Reyes. We are big fans. Um, but yes, uh, I guess we we still miss James Clay Cole. You know, we always invite him to yeah. come on the show, but he just refuses to. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. He's just like, uh, screw those guys. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. We'll, we'll keep inviting him on the show, and maybe one time he'll grace us with his, his evanescence and his presence. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll make him. We'll make it up to him by giving him his own episode where he is. He's the only host. Like yeah. we're not even on it. We're not on it at all. <laughs> yes, I like. I like that idea. Oh, that would be good. All right, uh, my bloody podcast, iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Subscribe to us, um, and we'll be back next week with our seventh episode. Our lucky number seven episode. And uh, we love you, and horror is a way of life. That's what Preston said. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't give me that one. <laughs> don't give me that one. All right, we'll be back next week.